0: Welcome to the Curious Women Podcast. I'm your host, Kylie Fignano, and I'm here with my co host, Meg Heger. Here we're going to have chats about women's health to teach you the things that you didn't know you didn't know. Oh
1: my gosh. What a gem.
0: I think gem is the word. Pearl comes to mind. Yes. I'm That's so pleased. It. it was, this was one of the most info packed. Yes. Interviews I think we've had Mm -hmm. and also somehow not in a way that was overwhelming. So Mm -hmm. anytime we're talking about the period, anytime we're talking about pain and discomfort that comes along with that, anytime we're talking about birth control, it's just, it's so emotional on so many different levels. I think what I really appreciated about Olivia today is that she kind of cut that out. Yeah. Kept all of her recommendations really. I'm gonna say clinical without being cold.
1: Yeah. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Super straightforward, supportive. Yeah. It was kind of like the like the best bang for your buck as far as recommendations. I would say. Is
0: how I well, would put it. I couldn't do more. I yeah. Couldn't do more. Yeah. She really just. Yeah. It is so much information, you guys. Please. Yeah. Get your
1: notepads more. out.
0: Yeah. This is the second one in a row like this. So just <laughs> be really mindful that we know. But it's also I think I th- I think and hope that you'll find it's the type of information that you can actually do something with mm-hmm. very easily. And immediately. And immediately and for free, most yeah. of it. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think it she she really offered a very tangible approach. That's what I think
1: she totally, got. So, totally, totally. Oh, I'm really excited for you guys to hear this episode. I just, so she took, as I said in the interview, she took us to class. So get your get your notebooks out, get your student caps on and enjoy. Olivia, what are you drinking?
2: You know what? It's nothing fancy today. It's a little leftover love that. element electrolyte with water. So Ooh. it's like water with hint of electrolyte.
0: Perfect. <laughs> Which flavor do you have? You know what?
2: I am drinking raspberry salt right now. I am definitely have my favorites when it comes to the element electrolytes. And I just ordered a new batch that should be coming in the next week. And I'm going to try the chocolate medley. So I'm looking forward to that collection. But I like the um, raspberry salt, the orange salt, the lime salt, and then the chocolate ones. Oh. I've
1: never tried element. Can you believe it? No, I, there's so I many out there. I feel like we just can't keep up with all of them. I like, yeah,
2: I'll have a nice of blend of too. sodium, potassium, and magnesium. It's makes you feel good. It's a nice a nice afternoon boost.
1: Ooh, I love that. Cool. What are you drinking? I've been playing around in the kitchen with. Uh, I found. I saw this thing on TikTok for like tea bombs, and oh. somebody made. Yeah, somebody made like. Ice cubes with a bunch of stuff in it and then poured hot water over it. So I've been trying it cold because I don't want to drink, like it's hot here. So I'm just, yeah. So I made um, my ice cubes with lemon and a shit ton of ginger. And um, I put, I had like the liquid IV electrolyte mix laying around. So I put that in here. I don't love that mix, but I have a random, I try a lot of them. And so I have a lot of random ones. So I put that in here. And then um, with cold water and then I just added some ginseng a ginseng tea bag. <laughs> oh, and there's a Vasatol yeah, here. I was too. trying to say, you're
0: missing like a important component? I know you are.
1: No, of course I have. Of course the Vasatol is in there. We it's not a day that ends in Y if I don't have my Vasatol. <laughs> Got to get it in.
0: <laughs> ah, Kylie, what are you drinking? Nothing. I have absolutely I have I have water and that's mm. it. I don't even have a lemon slice. Like, nothing. It's super – I've just been – I've been trying to drink more water. I've never peed more <laughs> in my life, <laughs> ever. And um, that's what we've got. I have nothing exciting to report at all. It's pathetic.
1: You're, re- not you're, res- you're representing the importance of water, which is wonderful. That's I what we're all drinking, about.
0: I was drinking an Apple Crisp Olipop.
1: Oh, is that a new flavor? I haven't flavor? tried that flavor.
0: Oh, it is a new flavor. It's delightful. It is. Um, yeah, it's up there. Cream soda, though.
1: That one's my favorite. Oh, the number one? The no- yeah. Non-negosh. non Yeah. We tried Olipop in our household this week for the first time. And I have to say the grape. We only got three flavors to start okay. with. So we're a little limited in our in our palate here. but. <laughs> Love the grape. That was my favorite out of the three that we got. Jason's favorite is the orange soda. He's oh. an orange soda fan. So oh. he loved that. Um, Jason hated the root beer. I thought it was okay. Um, I thought how, it was okay. How, how, yeah, I know. I was insulted a little, actually. I was like, what? I am offended. But huh, I okay. haven't
2: tried the root beer, but I recommend it a lot for people who love it. Yeah. and maybe that's something my mom is a huge huge root beer float fan and maybe i need to over the holidays like yeah. have her try it and give me that her honest opinion because she's very honest
1: i would be curious especially from someone like i love root beer but i don't obviously i don't drink it a lot like at all really yeah. and so um so i'm not going to say that it tastes just like it but it's it's pretty darn close like root beer is hard to mimic that taste and I would say it's pretty darn close
2: yeah I looked at the ingredients once and as like marshmallow and like mm-hmm. I don't know the botanicals in it were interesting but like com- cause I guess I compared it to actual root beer and like there right. is some of those botanicals actually in it there's a lot of artificial junk too but yeah
1: right exactly I think it gave me a headache after so I, I do have to say <laughs> maybe that one's not the one for me <laughs> sometimes less is more right yeah <laughs> uh-huh. Oh my God. Oh, well, let's, uh, can we, Kylie, can I, can we go, can we dive in? Uh, Yes. yes. Okay. Okay. Olivia, we are so excited to have you on because I think this is such an important topic that we're talking about today. I think we all do. And I'm sure we have a lot of listeners who are kind of either, I would say maybe very confused about it, or honestly, maybe haven't even given it a second thought. And either way, I think, we're going to answer a lot of questions today. So can you tell us who you are and what you do and why you're the best person for us to speak to about this? Oh my gosh, of
2: course. So I am Olivia Wagner and I am a registered dietitian nutritionist and I specialize, I've dedicated my career basically to supporting women and helping empower them in their health and in their healing journeys. And so I work with women with PCOS, period problems, and on their fertility journeys to achieve finally feeling well. And, you know, for my fertility clients, you know, having a really clear one way to conception and to having a healthy, successful pregnancy. And so, um, I, i I personally found myself in the space through my own disempowered journey with health. Mm-hmm. And I've been a dietitian now for almost 10 years. And I, I'm really excited to have this conversation today, particularly because I feel like it's one that just from a time perspective, like there's this you stop birth control and there's this window of time where we have opportunity to really provide amazing education and support. And I just mm-hmm. feel like it gets like swept under the rug in today's society. Yeah. And, you know, I'm not an anti birth control practitioner. I definitely no. am pro empowerment and pro choice. Mm-hmm. And so I just kind mm-hmm. of want to disclaim that up front. Yeah. But I also believe that women need education and support to be able to make really good decisions
1: about their health. Absolutely. You said that so well.
0: I think that we have mentioned this several times under a variety of different topics. But this idea that no matter what your choice is, it's difficult to feel like you can really make the choice if it is not a fully informed one. Yeah, And I don't mean to get like... Um. Super political or down a rabbit hole with like that. I'm not even going there. I'm just saying, like human being to human being, how can you tell somebody, "Oh well, I told you that this was it," and and you made that choice without actually explaining to them what the choice entails, right? So, I think that what we're hoping to do in this conversation is share what you can do if you are a person who has come off of birth control and you feel like shit. Like, does that mm-hmm. cut to the case pretty much? Yeah. <laughs>
1: Yeah. Or if you're somebody who's wanting to come off of birth control for whatever reason and maybe are scared because you might feel like shit, because maybe you felt like shit before you went on (laughs) or like whatever it is. Just the, I, it's for me, just to add to that, I think it's also to arm our listeners with an arsenal of tools to be able to help them with that transition, should they decide that that's the right transition for them.
2: I think one other piece I would add to that is I think there's an alarmingly, great amount of people that don't have immediate symptoms of discontinuing birth control,
0: Mm -hmm.
2: but find themselves struggling to conceive or struggling with low energy or struggling in their postpartum journey or struggling with secondary infertility or struggling with their metabolism or their weight. And so there's the way that I kind of talk about it with women is there's the immediate symptoms or even the symptoms that can occur in like six months to a year upon stopping birth control. But there's also potentially that lack of education about what you actually need to be doing to support hormone health moving into the future. And again, I just feel like this is a perfect time to armor someone with that education so that they can, upon again, starting this kind of new relationship with their bodies and their hormone health, have really a clear understanding of how they can partner with
1: themselves. That is such a great way to put that. I love that you were saying like get to have this new understanding of of their bodies because you're right. Especially I'm just pulling in my own experience, being on birth control for 15 years, I had never until I went off of birth control, um, had I had, had one natural cycle my entire life. And that yeah, was not like, alone. Yeah. Weird. It was weird. I was like, wait a minute, I don't even know what I feel like or what I'm supposed to you know, go. And so anyway, I'm sure there are a lot of people who have that experience too. But um, I think that's a great segue, actually, into asking you, like, let's start with what are those immediate symptoms that you see? And those kind of like, longer term symptoms, I guess, I'm asking, what would kind of like, Put the idea in someone's head that they might need some additional support post coming off birth control.
2: Totally. I think that one of the um, you know, if we're speaking specifically about your cycle, cycle irregularity, maybe not getting a period back, or really like heavy, painful, uncomfortable periods, spotting, again, like cycle irregularity, maybe it like comes and it's like really light for a couple days and then it comes and you have it twice in a month. I hear a lot of that from clients. I also see you know a lot of the inflammatory symptoms like headaches, acne, um, hair loss, just like changes with skin, maybe like eczema flares, and then the digestive symptoms like bloating, bowel irregularities. I know both of you guys um, have specialties in skin and gut and mm-hmm. you know the there's implications from being on birth control and also um, the, the way that that can kind of put stress and strain on your body and your nutrient absorption and your nutrient availability that can have a long-term downstream effect on not just your cycle, but these other accessory like symptoms. Mm -hmm. And what that ends up kind of leading to more long-term as opposed to short-term is I see like challenges with fertility, challenges with metabolic health, even related to like diabetes or insulin resistance, kind of even the PCOS picture, Mm-hmm. Um, you know, fibroid cysts, and polyps are something also that we'll see that can kind of like accumulate later on. And for some women that even results in need for like partial or full hysterectomies, like from recommendations from their physicians down the line, early onset menopause, thyroid conditions. And this is not all just because of being on birth control. Right. Um, I want to make that really clear, mm-hmm. but I can't help but see some of these associations mm-hmm. when the female body is not well supported and education is not laid down of how to support your health moving forward from this birth control journey,
1: you know? Yeah. I also have just one clarifying question because I think, I mean, I know what I've heard from a variety of practitioners about when is a normal time frame to get your cycle back after coming off of birth control. Yeah. So what do you see in practice and what, what are your parameters for like the ideal time to give yourself before you're, you start going, oh it's been X amount of months <laughs> and I still don't have a cycle. You know what, what does that look like for you from your perspective?
2: Yeah. I feel like I've been talking about timeline and expectations a lot just with clients. And I think that the miscommunication often here is that you stop your birth control pack or you get your IUD out. And the expectation is that you get your cycle the next month or like at max within three months, And for some women, again, depending on their story, depending on how long they were using birth control, depending again on what their diet and lifestyle and environment looked like while they were taking birth control, it can take some time. You know, it could take up to, you know, if it's taking an individual, I was going to say six months to a year, if it's taking an individual up to a year, you know, we really need to be working on their foundations. There's something that's Mm -hmm. obviously missing that needs some support, but I would say that It could be expected if your body has experienced a significant amount of strain and not used to having that kind of brain ovarian connection, it could take, you know, three to six months for your cycle to get not only back, but then take up to a year to get regulated, you know? Hmm. And it doesn't mean that you also don't, everyone's story is going to look different here. But when talking to women about how they can prepare their bodies, again, we can optimize The timeframe in which your cycle can return, and also the health of it by looking at some of these factors, which we're going to be talking about today, to support your body and post birth control balance, and also just start to create foundations for health.
0: I think an important question is and this is a super like zoomed out, overarching question why does this happen? So, what is sort of the big umbrella of reason? why people have a hard time coming off of birth control like what is it that's being either disrupted or not supported or thrown off overarchingly what's causing
2: yeah. this so the way that i like to describe it is one we have the most birth control is providing synthetic hormones on a daily basis into your system outside of when you're taking a placebo bills like i would say a majority I don't actually have a percentage off the top of my head, but a majority of women do take oral contraceptives as opposed Mm to like hormonal IUD or even like a copper IUD or like Mm -hmm. the um, implant or like there's now like shot options too. But like, I think a majority of the people end up on the birth control bill. Mm -hmm. And what you're getting is a daily dose of like synthetic estrogen and synthetic... For Justin, or maybe it's a low, low estrogen option, but it's synthetic hormones you're getting on a daily basis. And what it's doing is it's shifting your body's normal hormonal cascade, which has a flow to it throughout the mm. course of the cycle, which I describe the cycle as from period to period. So mm-hmm. for many women, it ranges somewhere between like 25 and 34 days. It's not just the days that you're bleeding. Mm. So we're expected As the way that we were built as women to have fluctuations all month long between a variety of hormones, but the three main hormones being estrogen, progesterone, and testosterone. Testosterone is pretty steady, but has a little bump up around ovulation. Um, But when we take this daily dose of exogenous hormone, it's giving a low grade level of stress to the body. And when the body is under stress, we utilize more minerals and vitamins our body has to recruit more of those to support us and some of those vitamins and minerals that we see depletions in are ones that are really really important for our hormone health um, you know magnesium rb vitamins zinc selenium things that are really important for our thyroid health too mm. and so you know depending how long you're being exposed to kind of this low level stress it's starting to tax other systems of the body and we start to see impact to also, you know, the, the lack of some of that nutrition on our gut microbiome, on our gut lining. We see increased type of permeability. We see, you know, decreased levels of beneficial bacteria. We also have the liver burden of needing to clear those exogenous hormones and also some of the depletions of, you know, we're now not maybe absorbing some of our food, our like our nutrients from our food as well, if our gut's inflamed and irritated. Mm. We have to, you know, Clear those exogenous hormones to our liver. We're putting a little bit of extra stress on our liver. We're also not maybe getting as many of those amino acids and those vitamins and minerals that are really important for phase one, phase two detoxification. Mm. You know, then maybe we're having some gut issues. We're not eliminating bowels regularly. We're getting buildup. We're getting recirculation. Um, You know, and we start to see with the nutritional deficiencies too, also impact on like blood glucose management, insulin sensitivity. So, High level, it's not just impacting your reproductive health. You know, it's impacting a variety of other symptoms or um, systems, which can influence a variety of symptoms.
0: So, this is a cascade of events. This is not just this is what happens, and that's why you feel like this. This is this one tiny thing has the ability, right? Because we know not everybody has this experience with birth control. We had right. another episode where we went over other uh, experiences that people can have on birth control that are, that are perfectly managed fine and no symptoms and they're very happy, successful mm-hmm. experiences, we are doing this conversation intentionally because we know that that's not the case for everybody. So if this is not resonating with you, you can find more information for your experience in another Mm way. But there are a lot of women who have this thought that if I do this thing, it's going to cause this to happen. But the reality is if I do this thing, it's possible that all (laughs) the, things can happen and all of those things happening can cause their individual own cascades of other things all the while intertwining and interplaying with each other.
2: So I mean, and, love, right. Yes. And I, and this is personally the way that I practice and the way that I work with women and also the, I can't deny the individuals who come to me and the symptoms and their, their current experiences, but totally, I don't believe that, you know, our body operates each organ in a silo. You know, it's Mm. like we are all interconnected and we throw one thing different into the occasion. It's going to have downstream effects. It's going to influence other things. And so I think it's a little bit narrow-minded to think, okay, we can shut off the way that our body likes to do reproduction and not expect that it's going to affect other things. Mm -hmm.
0: Really, really well said. I think that's the basis of functional medicine and functional nutrition in a nutshell right there. Okay.
1: I think so okay. too. I also think just to add, like, cause this is what I was thinking from a practitioner's standpoint in the, the, we asked on our other episode with Dr. Uh, Dr. Basma Faris, who went over just kind of like the basics from an MD per, uh, perspective of what you need to know about going on birth control. And we asked her if she had seen any research about nutrient depletion on um, vitamin depletion. And and the conversation was, and I loved how she put it, she basically was like, well, women's studies and nutrition are two of the most underfunded <laughs> studies. So she, totally. from her perspective, it was, there's nothing that I've seen that would make me worry about that as a practitioner, but I understand that there is a knowledge gap there. So what I was thinking about when you were walking us through the pathway of like, why these things may be interfering with the nutrient depletion, it seems quite possible to me that even if it was studied, there would be no easy way to directly correlate it. Because it's such a, a cascade, like you like you guys were saying, it's not, it's so many different systems. And the research that we do have does tend to put different organs, uh, organ systems in silos. Yeah. So it sounds to me like what you're saying is, go with what your body says, if you're having symptoms, this is the episode for you and here's what you can do about it. (laughs) And it's not great. yeah.
2: You know, and I still argue that the awareness of this is really important and it's not to be fear mongering or to allow people to feel like they've made decisions that are hurtful to their health or anything like that. But I would encourage women who are discontinuing birth control to think about, you know, like what I consider the four, Post birth control balance pillars. Yeah, uh, the let's first get into pillars. <laughs> the first pillar being nutrient repletion and blood glucose management. Okay. Second being daily detox support. The third being you know adrenal stress and um, stress balance. And the fourth being you know gut microbiome nourishment. And okay. I don't. I imagine you guys would agree with me that all these <laughs> categories are important. Just like authentically for women in their health. Mm-hmm. And none of these things are meant to be. And I'm, I'm happy to dig into them a little bit more um, intimately yeah. and, you know, describe some like practical applications. Yeah. For them. We
1: would love that. Yeah. But
2: these are things that I think you'll find are not like monumentally invasive to, Oh, I've just stopped birth control and I have to do all these crazy things. It's like these right. things you'd be practicing now are going to be supportive to you in this window and they're going to be supportive to you moving forward too you know awesome I love that yeah
1: so important
0: I would love a a deep dive on each of the pillars and if you don't mind when you will when you introduce the each next pillar will you explain why you chose that as one of the important pillars for people to think about coming off of birth control just to really start to connect why it matters I think I don't think I'm alone in this but I need to understand why somebody is telling me to do something. Yeah. Not enough for me to just listen to something and it's like, okay, this person is really well-known, so I'm going to do that thing. Oh, totally. And I think most people are wired that way. So (laughs) I think really explaining the why behind it so that people can connect to it uh, will be very empowering and also be that kind of motivating piece. So,
2: Yeah. I can do that. There's a lot of them, so I'll make sure to highlight just like a couple for each. Perfect. Yeah. yeah.
1: I think like like the the pillar, the main why, like main one or two why that's important to you, and then like put it a nice little bow on it with like a practical. This is what you need. Can this is how you can apply this. I love it. Thing. Yeah. Thing. Okay. Cool. Let's go. Okay, so excited. fantastic.
2: So <laughs> the first pillar that I mentioned is replete nutrition imbalanced blood sugar. And so I was mentioning before that we have documented research that suggests that there's quite a few vitamins and minerals that are depleted when you are on like a contraceptive for a a long period of time. And so we want to make sure that we are providing again, your body with those vitamins and minerals, because they don't just influence your, they influence everything. Vitamins and minerals, are well, minerals themselves are cofactors in a variety of chemical reactions in the body, and we need vitamins to help with energy metabolism and inflammation, and you know, preventing cellular oxidation. Like there is so much importance that comes th- through our nutrition and through our food, and so the beautiful thing here is that we can kind of kill two birds with one stone here by supporting blood sugar stability. We can also make sure that we're getting the vitamins and minerals that we need in our diet through our food. And so I had mentioned that when we aren't getting some of those vitamins and minerals, like we're thinking, you know, selenium, your B vitamins, your zinc, Um, your vitamin C, we are going to have some, we're going to have decreased blood glucose management and increased insulin opportunity for insulin resistance. And so one of the first things that I'm always talking about, just as like a fundamental for women's health is keeping your blood sugars nice and stabilized because your body needs adequate nutrition to be able to be able to prioritize sex hormone production. We need to be eating enough and eating regularly to decrease the stress hormones that can lower our opportunity to make adequate progesterone. When we have a healthy estrogen-progesterone balance, we keep our cycle symptoms really low, we have regular healthy cycles, and we're also able to, when ready, optimize our conception outcomes because pregnancy is that beautiful pregnancy hormone. Mm -hmm. And so repleting nutrition and balancing blood sugar are incredibly important. And where I like to start as far as practical applications for that are really encouraging... People to eat a breakfast within an hour of waking with 25 to 35 grams of protein. Again, Dang, this
1: been- girl! <laughs> your- I love anchor this.
2: Your- anchor your blood sugar at the start of the day so that I- if we keep up with what I call the three T's for blood sugar balance, meal timing, love- type, and total amount. Yes, we, we are love able to. So
1: it's timing, type, and total amount. And that's regarding the protein? It's regarding blood sugar. So Oh, got it. Okay.
2: I guess I can zoom out really quick and say meal timing type and total amount are the, the three kind of pillars that I look at for keeping blood sugars nice and stabilized during the day. Mm. The timing is eating within an hour of waking up and then right. eating roughly three to four hours from there. If you're an individual who is experiencing a little bit more stress, it might be a little bit more frequent upfront. And if you're someone who's really supported your health well for a while, you might be able to go longer without hitting a blood sugar low. What ultimately we're trying to avoid here is that blood sugar roller coaster that mm. can create more stress on your body and also create unwanted symptoms like brain fog, headaches, fatigue, irritability, cravings, changes in mood. Like anxiety is really big and connected to blood sugar instability. So, mm. timing an hour within waking, and then every three to four hours from there. Type is making sure that we have a balanced plate of mm. protein, fat, quality carbohydrate and fiber. And so I often give people the like a picture of visual wisdom where we have at least a quarter of your plate coming from protein, mm-hmm. a quarter of your plate coming from a quality carbohydrate, a half of your plate coming from like fibrous veggies and a palmful coming from fat. Not every meal is going to look exactly like this, but you know, right. for example, with a breakfast, maybe you're not it's not going to have a ton of like half a plate of veggies there all the time. Mm -hmm. But we want to make sure we're at least getting a good ratio of protein, fat and or protein, carbohydrate and fat so that you're, we're not having protein or we're not having carbohydrate dominating the meal. We need to yeah. have enough protein and fat to counterbalance that carbohydrate. So that's kind of why I break it up in that way.
1: Yeah. Do you have a favorite breakfast rec- like idea that you love? Yeah. Because I got to tell you, I am a sucker for carbs in the morning, man. I really am. <laughs> I, mean,
2: yeah, I think that's something that really gets like a bad rap in women's health. And a lot of times I'm actually really encouraging bringing back in carbohydrates mm-hmm. and not villainizing them, but eating them in thoughtful portions with every meal. Mm. And I think that someone who maybe has been on a weight loss journey for a while, or maybe has PCOS and has been told not to eat carbohydrates, we kind of also end up in like a binge-restrict cycle with them and a poor relationship with food that ultimately is much harder on your hormones too. So, you know, one of my favorite ways to achieve kind of that that protein in the morning and get that balanced plate is to do you know three eggs and avocado toast, or do mm. um, an egg bake. I'll make ahead for the week with some veggies in it and you could put potatoes in there too. Or you could pair that with like toast and nut butter or, you know, avocado toast. Another one that I really like to do is like a breakfast salad. And this is another way to get some veggies in, but do like some arugula or leafy greens and put chicken sausages on top, blueberries, avocado. And um, that's something you could also put like some white potatoes or sweet potatoes on top of. A lot of these things are good, Make an advance option so you can just use yes. and toss in the morning, combine things together. Mm-hmm. But a really kind of quick idea to get a good amount of protein in it would be to do something like a cottage cheese bowl or a yogurt bowl with some, you know, quality fats coming from nuts and seeds and some antioxidants coming from berries. Or even doing like a high-quality protein shake with like a bone broth protein or a grass-fed mm. whey and then hitting that fat and that carbohydrate with the fruits and the, the fiber-rich seeds and, you know, maybe like a nut butter or a seed butter.
1: Thank you so much. That was, those are fantastic ideas. It can be so easy.
0: <laughs> but like 30 seconds, she just rattled off like
1: seventeen <laughs> different
0: versions of success. Yeah, like, yeah. That's great. That was really very – that's great.
2: Yeah. And I think awesome. it's something that also just requires I talk a lot about forecasting and intention. Like I will leave, you know, the organic applegate chicken sausages in my freezer and it doesn't mean that they're a part of my week like every week routine, but again, if I didn't make it to the grocery store in time or if I um, and running low on food for the week, it's something where, again, I have set myself up for success where I can pull those out of the freezer and I can incorporate them part of a quick meal. And it doesn't have to always be a beautiful show. It can be like a more snackable meal of like an apple and peanut butter and chicken sausages and, mm. you know, like some cheese cubes or something. Like it doesn't have to be overly fancy. A love it. A
0: snack lunch is my favorite.
1: Oh, I love snack lunch. Oh, my God. <laughs> me too.
0: Is I, I'm on it right now with that. Honestly, and cheese cubes, apple, protein shake has just been like, is, has been the thing this week.
2: I've had it mm. every day this week. That's amazing. I think it's just a curtail to this because it. I feel like it might hit with some of our audience members. I would not recommend for many women discontinuing birth control or like in that stage of transition to be exploring intermittent fasting. I do think that if we're curious that there could be increased stress in this transition on your body, we want to be thoughtful of what other, you know, habits or actions could additionally be adding stress. And so typically my recommendation would be to not skip breakfast as far as intermittent fasting. And if there's anything that you want to do, think about you know more of like a 12-hour fast, still starting your day with breakfast in the morning, maybe cutting your evening down a little bit more or having just an earlier dinner in general if you um, want to go beyond even a 12-hour fast. But I just find if we're trying to prioritize sex hormone production, we're trying to help your body repair post-birth control, it doesn't always fit best.
0: That's mm. a very nice little star to add to the end of that. Conversation. Yeah, and yeah. I think you're right. I think that I think you know n- we're naturally curious mm-hmm. hmm, about <laughs> the things that may be either helpful or allow us to optimize our health further. So it's not abnormal that uh, one of somebody might want to try intermittent fasting, and I really appreciate the advice that now might not be the time to try it. Mm. It might be best to do it later. Um, yeah. I think that's a great little takeaway. Great yeah.
1: takeaway. Yeah.
0: Okay. So we're balancing blood sugar. We are repleting our nutrients by doing so. And I do see how one automatically kind of leads to the next.
2: Yeah.
0: Um, anything else to add to this pillar?
2: I feel the... How this leads to the nutrient repletion, I'll just tie this up with a bow, is that if we can think about building that balanced plate that I've described and think about the protein, the fiber piece, the fat, and the carbohydrate, we're getting our macronutrients we need. And if we're starting to look for two to three colors on each of our plates and a diversity of foods throughout the day, we are going to be able to knock out a lot of those micronutrients. And what I often really... In, like ask people to get curious about is, you know, am I eating the same foods every week or can I start to create a little bit more diversity here? Can I try to choose just one different vegetable each week to kind of like mix up my routine? Can I mm-hmm. try to get different proteins? If I always eat chicken and beef every week, can I try to get shrimp in my routine and, you know, maybe like a bison with like a liver blend or a, like I really love force of nature meats from a variety standpoint. Mm-hmm. Um can I make sure that I'm rotating like some plant-based proteins in there and seafood and things like that too. So variety really is the spice of life and just trying to get curious about like, am I really stuck in a rut of eating the same things because I think that they're healthy and I think I should be eating them. And can I gently and comfortably start to branch out without also rocking my world from like an overwhelm standpoint, you know? Mm-hmm.
1: So I love that.
0: Beautiful. And I think I'll add to that one one way to kind of get inspiration for that might be to consider what is in season right now. Yes, Let's start with just thinking about one to- a fruit, a vegetable, it whatever. If like eating funny meats feels weird to you, right? Don't you think like you can think about it that way and it'll it'll literally by nature help provide the variety that I think you're talking about. So
2: Yes, I've been very into persimmon and pomegranate because they're more seasonal right now. And they're getting different colors that sometimes I don't get, you know, if you're doing more blueberries or apples or stuff with fruits, you're getting different colors that way. So yeah, I think that's kind of like a wrap on blood sugar balance and leading nutrition, at least for today.
1: Okay, perfect. No, that was that was lovely. I, I think that that's a great, like succinct. Yes, totally informative. So what is pillar number two?
2: (laughs) Pillar number two is support daily detoxification. And I think that I know you you probably hear this too, but sometimes detoxification can get this kind of like woo-woo rap. And like the truth is that every day our body has to go through detoxification. You know, it's detoxifying, you know, byproducts of chemical reactions within the body. It's detoxifying, you know, some of the stuff that we're picking up when we're walking on the street from our food sources exogenous you know compounds that we're getting through medications through birth control through it's just our body is doing this all of the time it is not yeah. like i have trashed my liver and now i need to detox it's like yeah how can we optimize this organ that we have that every day is doing a lot of work for us and is also right. intersecting with other hormones or other organs and really influences our hormone health Um, one thing that I speak pretty regularly about is the role that our liver and our gut play together in helping us eliminate some of our um, excess estrogens and just helping with the pathway of estrogen that our body chooses to go down. And that's something that, you know, symptoms of estrogen dominance or like imbalanced estrogen levels can be like really heavy, painful periods, um you know, more like irritability, anxiety, insomnia. Um, you know, there's like, I'll find a lot more fatigue associated with that too, maybe weight gain. There's a lot of unfortunate like present symptoms, but then also downstream, those could be risk factors for hormone positive cancers and, mm. you know, other conditions like fibroids. Um, you know, there's a relationship to it, even with endometriosis, adenomyosis, things like that. So, It's really important to think about your gut and your liver, and we're going to be talking about both those in pillars two and three, but um, you know, we're taking hormonal birth control and we're getting that exogenous hormone that our liver has to process. And then we're also with some of those nutrient depletions, we're um, reducing some of the tools that our liver needs to to function optimally. Mm -hmm. So we do want to give it a little bit more love is what I say. Mm-hmm. And from a like practical application standpoint, some foods that you can include to really support your liver are, I often talk about first off cruciferous vegetables, and that's mm-hmm. going to be the family of vegetables that have a lot of sulfur compounds in them. And then also compounds that have antioxidant capacity, like indole 3 carbonyls and, um, I should say indole 3 carbonyl sulforaphane, and methylene And those all also help with the estrogen mobilization too. Mm. So when we're thinking about the cruciferous vegetables, we're thinking about cabbages, broccoli, um, radishes. We're thinking about arugula. We're thinking about um, rutabaga. We're thinking about Brussels sprouts. We're thinking about, you guys, did I miss any
1: big, big ones no. here? You got all the big ones that I had in mind. Those are, okay. yeah.
2: <laughs> Collard greens are te- technically cruciferous, but-
1: Are they? Wow, mm-hmm. I didn't know
2: that. Um, but we get these benefits in their cooked form and in their raw form, but there's certain compounds that are more um, potent in their raw form. And So my recommendation in the post-birth control window is to, and again, just to make this short, I'll say it this way- to incorporate a half a cup of cruciferous vegetables a day. And that's something you could do like a slaw as a part of your lunch. You could do broccoli sprouts on avocado toast for an extra potent dose of sulforaphane. You could do some sliced radish on a salad with dinner. But if you are going to do more cooked crucifer- cruciferous vegetables, like I love roasted cauliflower, I love roasted Brussels sprouts. Another way to help enhance some of those beneficial properties would be to put a little bit of the raw cruciferous vegetable with it so like a little bit of arugula with the roasted cauliflower mm-hmm. or put a little mustard seed in your salad dressing or just on top of it and that will help with the to keep it short basically the um the, uh, keeping the potency of some of that those compounds available
1: Ooh, that cool is, yeah. yeah yeah what a
0: nice little uh, yeah yeah
2: so i really like the cruciferous vegetables I mentioned also, we really want to be keeping an eye on, are you having a daily bowel movement? Mm. Um, this is just going to help with how your body is detoxifying and eliminating things from your body. And part of that is estrogen too, that we need to be able to eliminate on a daily basis. And this is more of like a lifestyle pearl, but many times in the daily detox conversation, post birth control, I'm in, um, I'm describing how to use castor oil packs and how that can be a really nice tool for giving your liver and your gut a little bit of love. Castor oil is rich in omega-9 fatty acids, and this is something that you can put on a flannel and on Amazon. You can find different pack options. This is something you are absorbing topically. You're not ingesting, and you can put it on your, over your liver or over your ovaries. And that's something that, um, over your liver is going to help increase your bile output. And that is really important for gut health and for detoxification too.
1: And such an easy, passive way. Like it's not like you know you could do that while you're working, sitting. Like some of them strap on, I think, right? Or you could lay down and relax. I'm just like ties on, (laughs) and you sleep really well if you sleep with them overnight. (laughs) Whoa! Is there a time limit though? I thought like is it a side effect that people might get constipated if they leave it on too long? Is or um.
2: What I recommend is if you're doing it overnight to not use a heating pad, your body heat is going to, to heat it. Um, Mm -hmm. if you're wanting to do it like, like just aside itself, like for an hour, Mm -hmm. putting a heating pad on top of it and it's going to increase the absorption. So you're using the Mm -hmm. same amount of Mm -hmm. castor oil, about like a tablespoon, Mm -hmm. um, to two max. And so there, there's really should not be any problems with that Mm -hmm. kind of level of topical absorption, especially with no heat on it overnight.
0: Have you done a castor oil pack?
1: I haven't either. Gosh, I, have, I should... haven't either myself, but I have a lot of clients who use them and they love them. So, yeah.
2: <laughs> huge yeah. fan,
1: huge yeah. fan, and it
2: does help with the daily bowel movements too. Awesome. So, that's something that kind of just links up with a couple different pat like support tools for daily detoxification. You know,
1: and gut Love that. Olivia taking us to class. I cannot I wait. Oh, oh my goodness. Okay, we're halfway through the pillars. What's pillar yes, number three? I will make sure to be
2: um, efficient with these last two.
1: <laughs> so stress
2: and adrenal support are something that, you know, it's a it's a bigger topic, but it's something that I just like to have as a pillar for post-birth control balance because as I've been talking about pretty much with every pillar, that like low level of exposure to hormones on a daily basis really is going to increase your body's like stress response. It's having to kind of work with that every single day. And that's something that it's overriding your your typical hormonal cascade. And so a lot of times I'm describing supporting both physical stressors and emotional stressors and stepping back and taking an audit of that. And so Physical stressors are going to be things related to like blood sugar imbalance, not eating a variety of foods, um, potentially not getting enough sleep, not getting sunlight exposure or monitoring your um, light and dark exposure during the day. So some of this is coming into foundations, which I know we might talk about again at another time, but um, we want to kind of look at some of the physical stressors in our environment that could be making us feel really tired or impacting how we feel. And then we also want to be looking at the emotional stressors. And so that could be things like, you know, work stress, family stress, um, you know, experiences just in your daily life, maybe a breakup, things like that. And the way that I describe it is, if we can lock in supporting our physical stressors better, we're going to be able to be more stabilized when any unplanned emotional stressor does come in. Yeah. And so I think that If there's two practical applications here, you know, we've already talked about blood sugar stability and why that's important. That's going to be very, very beneficial to keeping your physical stress lower. Mm -hmm. But circadian health is very important for hormone health because our over 80% of our genes have circadian or clock like function to them. Mm
1: -hmm. And so
2: I think that keeping an eye on your routines on a daily basis and your specifically your routines with your light and dark exposure is something that we could all get a little bit more curious about because modern society today, if we're not careful about it, we're getting a lot of light when we're not really, um, where maybe our bodies aren't used to getting light. We have the ability to, you know, I live in a big city, I'm in Chicago and, you know, unless I'm really shutting stuff down, it's like there's lights blaring at me all night long outside, you know, and that's oh. not normal for, um, you know, like even 150 years ago, that wasn't normal experience. Mm. So this has really progressed, but to keep it short and sweet, waking up in the morning and getting some sunlight and getting outside within an hour of waking up for 10 to 20 minutes can have a huge impact on your energy level and also kind of setting some of those circadian rhythms for the day. Mm. And basically it's just helping to give your body a little extra boost so that it can kind of work with you. Um, and it can kind of help you com- combat any other stressors that come at you during the day, and also starting to be really thoughtful about your darkness in the evening. And so, a couple hours before bed, you know, dimming more of your lights, considering wearing like an eye mask to bed, or if you're going to watch a show, thinking about using like blue light blocking glasses mm-hmm. or something like that in the evening. So, again, we're controlling some of that light that's creeping into those like windows that that time that could be better spent for darkness prior to going to bed
1: Yeah, and
2: um, in that same breath, trying to get into bed at like with a routine time each day. And this is of course going to be different for shift workers and for, mm. um, I guess I should say we're speaking about ratios here too. So mm. I'm human. I go out with friends. I go on vacation. I go to parties. I travel mm. at weird times and that's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about like your regular weeks, the things, mm. the days that you do have more control
1: over. That's what you're wanting to make more consistent, by the way. Yeah. Okay. That's a good clarification. Yeah. Awesome.
0: We also have a huge, like if this is piquing your interest, we have a huge circadian rhythm episode. I think it's episode 12 with uh, Sarah. If you're- mm. Awesome. To Olivia and you're like, oh my God, that's that's my starting point listen to that episode because it'll give you a deep dive on what you are kind of presenting in a skimmed over way because it's a part of this whole bigger picture. Yeah. Of-
1: yeah. But I and think, the, time- oh, go I'm ahead. sorry, I just want to tag in here that I think the cool thing that you mentioned to out oh, like tagging yeah. on to the episode, Sarah's episode is the dark piece. We didn't even get to talk to her about that. So those of you who have listened to that episode, I think a next step might be what you're saying, Olivia, about pe- paying attention to that, like your dark time. So I thought that that was really cool for me to hear. So thank I you for sharing.
2: Totally
1: <laughs> sharing. Yeah. <laughs> I, right.
2: um, the final piece that I was going to add to the stress support would be mm. kind of loops into mineral repletion and blood sugar stability. But mm. I'm a lot of times post birth control recommending mineral, um, more therapeutic inclusions of minerals in your day. And an Mm. an easy way to incorporate this is through high quality sea salt on your foods, bone Mm. broths, and then like roots and fruits. So root vegetables and fruits. But sometimes Mm. I'll even have people make what I call a mineral mocktail. And there's different options and approaches that you can take with that. But an easy one is to pair with your breakfast. You know, a splash, I do like three to four ounces of orange juice a um, half a teaspoon of salt, a quarter teaspoon of um, cream of tartar, and then you mix that up with water and you're cool. getting the cream of tartar is rich in potassium. The Ooh. quality sea salt is going to be blended with minerals. And that's like a really nice way to also kind of energy boost your day. You don't cool. have to do the therapeutic drink, but also it's hydrating. It can help with the morning bowel movement. Yeah. Um, and then it's something that you, you could also do coconut water, sea salt and lime juice. Um, mm. You could do...
1: You are stepping up my morning routine right now. I'm just, I'm taking notes. I'm over here. (laughs) But
2: minerals, your body uses a lot of minerals when it's under stress. And so by giving it back those minerals, we're also making those minerals available for the other jobs they have in the body. And we're also helping your body respond to stress a little bit better. So that's just another kind of practical application to think about. And like the element electrolyte drink that I was talking about at the beginning, you know, that's something you do in the morning too to kind of kick off your day or in the afternoon versus grabbing your coffee or your extra caffeinated beverage to kind of give you that boost when your body's feeling like, mm. or sometimes I have both, you know? Oh yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Now I'm back in the conversation. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs>
2: We're only human, right? You know, <laughs> you. but if you're going to do caffeine, you want to hydrate before you do caffeine, you know, remineralize before you have your caffeine.
1: Yeah. Okay.
2: So the final pillar is gut nourishment and you can see in like the way that I've been talking about this, a lot of these do overlap and they also have kind of their own, um, you know, specific highlights too, but there is a lot of research documenting that there is increased hyperpermeability post-birth control related to some of those nutrient depletions and also lower Mm. levels of beneficial bacteria and increased incidence of overgrowth as a result of both of those other two. Mm. And so... We also can have with like low mineral status and low nutrient status decreased stomach acid, which can Mm. influence bloating and over fermentation and things like that as well. And so, you know, for women, and this kind of loops in the three other categories too, but we're really wanting to just think about fiber variety from different plant sources and also um, foods that are going to support the gut lining, like um, high quality proteins so making yeah. sure that you're getting those proteins with every meal. I really think that bone broth is a great thing that you can incorporate in recipes. I love to make soups in the wintertime with that. Meg, I know you're in Hawaii. And so like, you're <laughs> like, that sounds I still... awful. Um, still, no, do... still
1: very much a soup person. I am like a hot food person. I'm just not. Yeah. A... yeah. Like this morning. Anyway. No, I get I'm. I get it. I'm going on a tangent. Yes. No, but you could do your... like... <laughs>
2: collagen um you know in a smoothie or do like gelatin gummies as like little like morning snack or afternoon snack but um we definitely want to be looking for color in our diet for you know phytonutrients to feed the gut lining and also diversity of fibers so two fibers that really stand out to me are carrot fibers um Mm. and so this is something that the peel of the carrot so the outside the carrot which a lot of times we peel off actually has a lot of nutrients in it like and that's basically just a fancy way to say like plant compounds that help cells you know mm-hmm. And so we you can actually peel that carrot and or grate it or however you want to and by putting that like in a salad or in a bowl you're getting really good fiber for the gut and that's also really supportive to some of that estrogen clearance too.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: So I really like carrot fibers and then I also really like flax and chia seed. Um, Mm. as like gut fibers for building up some beneficial bacteria. And that's something you could add to like a yogurt bowl or a smoothie or make a chia pudding out of as an afternoon snack. So those would be two things that I would be recommending to add in from a food perspective. And then from more of a lifestyle perspective, this is a really great time to think about your eating hygiene. And Mm. so making sure that you're chewing your food well, Uh smelling it well,
1: um, Ah.
2: when you're eating it to help with that, Cephalic phase of digestion. So, when you smell your food, it helps to release your salivary amylase in your mouth and get like your gut juices going. Mm. And then your stomach does not have teeth. So, we must chew.
1: Right. right. That's a great point.
0: That mm-hmm.
1: is a really good point. It does not have teeth. Most of us don't have teeth in our stomach. <laughs> <laughs> Be a little worried if we did. <laughs> Well, honestly, I'm thrilled to know that my sheer laziness has benefited me when it comes to eating carrots. I don't peel them because I'm just freaking lazy. So it's great to know that (laughs) that's perfect. (laughs)
2: Yeah. I mean, those four pillars are things that I really talk about post birth control and I find them to be, again, continuously important to think about. And Of course, we could deep dive even more so into each of those, but continuously to think about. In an individual's women's health journey, and the other thing that I wanted to kind of partner alongside that, when transitioning off birth control, and this might have to be, you know, a continued conversation, but is this the three things that get overlooked, in my opinion, is not supporting your body post birth control with these pillars, mm-hmm. not having education of cycle awareness, and so how mm-hmm. your female body works and how your cycle works, mm-hmm. and the third is not having the education and awareness of those female health foundations. So like what you need to kind of have in place to create health moving forward. So Mm -hmm. we talked about the four post birth control pillars. Um, As far as cycle awareness, what I mean by that is understanding how your cycle functions and like what's going on in the different phases, Mm -hmm. knowing like what different, um, hormones meet like are and what they are doing for you in your cycle and what they, what different symptoms can relate to them? And really my biggest like action point here for women is to just start tracking their cycle. You know, yeah. and you can track this with a free app. You could track it. Like I think Apple now has a way to track your cycle too. But when you come off birth control, it's really important that you can start to get personally intimate and aware with what, what how your body is responding and how, how you're feeling and again when you have the education of how your cycle operates and what's going on in your cycle and what to expect is as a healthy cycle you can start to kind of look at those side by side and as you're applying these four post birth control balance pillars start to see how things shift for you for the better
1: i and this is perfect timing because we did we have a kind of like a brief overview episode with Jillian i think it was episode six, maybe. I don't know. I could have the number wrong. Uh Um about just general menstrual cycle in the in the purest textbook form. This is what happens during this time. And then we it hasn't uh it it will have been last week's episode or last episode before your this one. She talks us through like what's normal and what's not. So it's perfect timing that you brought that up because I I think it I'm I'm really hoping that we have given our listeners like a really good toolbox here to just (laughs) like incorporate it all but um you have just like took me on a journey this time i mean there's so much that i am thrilled about and i'm really hoping are hoping our listeners will be too there's so much golden nuggets in this episode thank you oh, so yes, much wow yeah.
0: i've never needed to talk so little in an episode <laughs> Like, I just didn't have anything to ask or say because every question was just then answered and every clarification I wanted to offer was then clarified. It was just, yeah, really a thank you. And I actually yeah. I do have a question. What, so if for people who wanted to take a deeper dive in some of this and just felt a little overwhelmed, you do have a course. Yes. Tell us a little bit about that and how we can find you.
2: Yeah. In the new year, you will be able to access a self-paced course called No Birth Control. Now What? There's a waitlist currently on my website. So if you go to livenourishednutrition.com, you'll be able to find that waitlist. If that's something you're interested in, sign yourself up. You'll get on my newsletter and you'll be able to get updates for when that's available um, to be released. And you'll also find a... When you sign up for the waitlist, you'll get my freebie, which is the Healthy Hormone audit and action so it's a way for you to audit the symptoms you're having and start with a checklist of some actions to get started on for creating healthy hormone communication and like building some of those fundamentals for hormone health
0: and oh, we'll have all of that so cool. for you guys
2: yeah
1: so. i'm so oh excited for that course ah! That's gonna be so helpful.
0: I feel very inspired about some new meal ideas. I have been in Me a rut. Too. I've been getting the right things. It's fine, but it's like not exciting and I'm super busy and it's the holiday, so the shots yes. have been funny and weird. Uh, going out mm-hmm. more often and there's plans and I just everything's a little off. So this is Give field-
2: yourself grace. Oh my gosh. I get in ruts all the time. And my top three are I look at magazines I look at like food blogs for inspiration mm. like different food bloggers I like and I look at some of my favorite restaurants to get like ideas of yeah just, like things that combinations of things that I didn't think of that could make some of my like favorite staples that I cook with just more exciting again
0: yeah I green all the time anytime
1: I go somewhere mm. and get a salad I'm like how dare I do this But is there crisp quinoa in the salad though? That's the thing. Like that is the, I don't know. I mean, that is, I will not eat a salad now without it because Jason has, he made it for Thanksgiving and it was perfect. And now I can't go back. (laughs) That That nice crunchy crunchy texture. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. Oh my Um, God. Olivia, thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you guys
0: for having me. Yeah. Incredible value. I mean, so, so many of the things that you offer are so uh, what's the opposite of time consuming? That
1: simple, yeah. low hanging fruit. We always talk about low-hanging that.
0: Fruit, cheap, yeah. free, easy. It's just little tweaks and you can kind of pick and choose where you'd like to start. Thank you.
1: Thank you so Thank much. You so much.
0: Thank you, All guys.
1: Right. Thank you, Olivia. We'll see you later. See you later. Thank you so much for listening to Curious Women. If you love our show, you can support us by leaving us a five-star rating and review. And if you know someone else who would really love our show, please share it with them too.